You are listening to the station of the year, SAFM, leading the conversation. On the viewpoint. It is said that a man cries from the inside. I grew up in an environment where the notion is endorsed to the fullest extent. What does a man who is going through a progressive state do when society tells us that we are weaklings for talking about our problems? We go through life in an illusion. Many of us are living as if we have lost any cognizance of who we are. That is the introduction to the book, Dying Unto Myself, the story of a reluctant traditional healer authored by Umbele Sivuilem Sengana from Etala, Chapter 1, The Foundation, 2, Relationships, 3, The Tribe, The Monster, The Aftermath, Family Ties, Love of My Life, My Angel, My Pillar of Strength, Peace and Tranquility, Dying Unto Myself, The Journey, The Homecoming, Dying Unto Myself, The Kneeling Ceremony in the Final Analysis, 14 Chapters, Thank you so much for joining us on SAFM. Welcome to the platform. Thank you so much for staying up so late to share with us your journey. It's an honor to be with you. It is more an honor for me to be with you because when you approached me two weeks ago in Allah at the occasion of our aunt's funeral, I did not know that this is how deep what I was seeing with you and what I had continued, what I had been seeing from you over the years. I was a little boy growing up in front of you, going to my mother's home in Gala, that this was what you were grappling with. Unfortunately, we don't have nearly enough time to discuss 230-odd pages of your book. But in the 20 minutes that we do have with each other, this is so much an African story as it is a contemporary one. Share with us what Dying Unto Myself, the story of a reluctant traditional healer, is all about. Thank you, Spudi Kakona, for the opportunity. Um, Dying Unto Myself, as, as, as foreboding as the title may seem, is about going back into myself to discover who exactly I am. As I said in the, in the, in the opening sequence of the, of the book, that um, sometimes you grapple with a few challenges in your life and you don't know what reference to use. Um, For me, it was particularly challenging because my background did not provide me with the equipment or the resources to deal with what I had to deal with uh, when the calling came about. Mm. So dying unto myself became a, a sort of going back into who exactly I am, losing everything that I had so that I could realize who exactly I was born to be. And some, it's usually not such a pleasant journey because you tend to lose everything. Let's start from who you are, where you were born, the early years, having the things that you had, losing those things because you were dying unto yourself and ultimately going back to your roots where you currently are now. Paint for us the, the, the timeline of where we find ourselves now. Born in the 70s, you know, um, having very little experience of what our parents did in, 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 that, in those days. Um, I always maintain to people that I lived a privileged life. 
in that uh, my parents made the right choices, uh, relatively so, that I got an education, got my religion. I grew up in the Catholic Church. But all of that, had I had to forego all of that when I realized that I had, re- I had reluctantly or not deliberately left out a huge part of who I was. We will blame our parents because that's how they, 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 they brought us up. But at the end of the day, they did their best. Now, coming to the later stages of my life, I realized that I missed out a huge part of who I was. As privileged as I, as I was, as educated as I became, and, and, and the religion, but I lost out on a lot of who I was as an African. And that became my calamity when the calling came. Because when Abandaba Dala decided to make their presence felt in my life, I didn't have a reference point. When you say Abandaba Dala, of course, for those who don't understand, because it's lost in translation of language, we are talking about ancestors. You say they came calling. What, what do you mean by that? Share with us the experience or the epiphany that was clear as daylight that these are the ancestors engaging me. I'm living my life normally in Johannesburg, uh, you know, working a professional job and with all the privileges that a young man could ask for. And then a lady approaches me and tells me that I have a calling. It didn't make sense to me at the time, but things were happening in my life that she knew about that did not make sense to me. You didn't know this lady from a bar of soap, I take it? I didn't know her from a bar of soap. She just came out of the blue and told me things that she should not have known about me. But they were accurate. They were extremely accurate. They 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 actually scared me a little bit because mm. some of them were things that I had deliberately decided to ignore. In Isikosa, we refer to this moment as ukutakelo. Exactly. When somebody quite literally jumps at you, jumps at you, perhaps not physically jumps at you, but the revelation they come with you, they come with, literally startles you to the point where you're like, oh my goodness, whatever this is, it needs my attention. And then what happens from there? So I decide to communicate with my family. But now, as I explained before, I, my, my, my background was that of an education. I have a university degree, and I was brought up in the Catholic Church. So obviously, everything that I believed in was something that I was, was a reflection of my own parents' uh, perspective. So when I approached my family, they dismissed of hell. That it was not real, and, you know, I just needed to see a psychologist. Would this have been dismissed in the context of these are the things of uneducated people? In other words, the tension between church and tradition, church and culture, did that come through at all in that moment of your being dismissed? It was an embarrassment to my family because of the background. Yes, exactly. It, because of the education, you don't bring this to us. We are educated, we believe in God, and therefore everything else does not exist. 
So, and I, I could not argue with that because that's how I was brought up. That's all I knew. But unfortunately, I was seeing things and experiencing things that, that defied all of that logic. What were you seeing? What were you experiencing? I had started uh, realizing, picking up people's pains. I could actually feel physically someone else's pain. I, re- I, I started changing my lifestyle. You know, I, I picked up on a lot of sensitivities that people were experiencing at the time, and it didn't make sense to me. I started having dreams that would actually become a reality. Let me read from. Uh, let me read a passage from the book just to give the listeners a sense of the context in which you are now talking. As I was walking down the passage towards my parents' bedroom, I bumped into the beginning of my lifelong nightmare. Mothers share a special bond with their children, and I was no different. The bond I shared with mine was quite powerful, but it was never articulated or even openly acknowledged. We had never been that kind of family. What was apparent was the fact that growing up as an adolescent, I was very sickly, and it was always coinciding with that of my mother's own illness. She suffered from chronic migraines that affected me. I would be bedridden for as long as she was ill. I eventually developed chronic headaches of my own, but the doctors could not explain them medically. Every time I was taken to a doctor hospital because I had had yet another episode, my parents would come back more confused about my condition than they were going in. You further go on to say in something which is very striking, Eventually, I was just left to my own vices. It goes without saying that when you share physical pain with another person, the way I did with my mother, you are bound to affect one another emotionally and spiritually. I felt every pain my mother had, both emotionally and physically. But the pain she suffered at the hands of my father went deeper than I had expected. Tell us about this passage. It was a very, very personal experience that uh, had come into the book. Um, when I was growing up, like I, like the book illustrates, that's when I started picking up on, on physical pain that other people were feeling, but um, particularly my own mother. But unfortunately, because of the way I was brought up, I could not understand why that was or how that was happening. All I knew was every time my mother gets sick, I get sick. Now, eventually, that uh, extended to other people. And I suppose that was the initiation of my calling through my mother. So it was through my mother that I actually experienced ubutrecha, so to speak. And it was, it was through those experiences that it made sense eventually when I had to sort of uh, engage other people and their pain. I don't know if that, if that makes any sense at all. It's making sense because anecdotally, at least I have come across a path that you have walked elsewhere. But it won't make sense simply because I have never myself walked that path. There are certain things which, in your case, you can only experience, but no amount of literature, wide as your diction in both Isikos and English may be, that will be able to explain the experiences that you went through. But that let's, I mean, we've got 11 minutes left of the program now. So you're going 
you explain you're expressing these things you you've got this internal voice that keeps playing out that experience you had with this random lady you met randomly in Johannesburg you have come home to share that experience against your sickly self and how it is tied to your mother it is dismissed what happens from there then life started spiraling down. The, the thing with the, with, with the calling is that uh, when you don't respond to it, it makes its presence. So my life started changing. I, I, I couldn't get a job anymore. Um, my life with my family, my communication with my family came to a halt. Everything became a challenge. Uh, I couldn't make money anymore. I lost everything that I thought I was privileged to, that I thought I was entitled to growing up. Now I had done, I had put everything else in order. I, I, I had prepared my future. But now all of a sudden, nothing was happening. And eventually, it took the burning down of a house that I was living in to make me realize that I needed to heed to the calling. Where was this? Now, I'm in East London trying to get a job, trying to put a company together. And then in East London, I had started doing the healing, uh, reluctantly so, but I started healing people. But eventually, my house burned down and I was given a clear message to follow my path. And that's when everything changed. And in that house, everything you had went with it. So you were probably left, I'm assuming, but it sounds like very much inevitable. You were left with only the clothes you wore on your back at the time. That's all I had left in my entire life. You see, everything that I had worked for had gone in those flames. Let's just suspend your account of your experience for a moment. The reason why I'm asking these rather direct, if not entirely personal questions, is purely because it is a conversation on its own. That, And I'm glad you made reference to it so that I can just leverage off that. The spirits within which we live, or the spirits that we carry in our bodies, around our spaces, that we interact with and however we get to get some of these spirits that accompany us in our respective journeys, they are so dimensional that one cannot dismiss or one should be at least reluctant or slow, perhaps slow to dismiss on the basis of church. Certainly, and, and perhaps I'm betraying my own bias here as somebody who's not particularly religious now, whereas perhaps I might have been, that this thing that is religion or faith is not unto itself sufficient or all that makes up an individual and an individual's history and an individual's ties to land, to ancestor, to presence, to future, but very much an individual who is tied to those who walked a path before who are in the grave sites, in the ancestry of one's history. How do you, as Sivuile Msengana, respond to people who dismiss ancestors, who dismiss what your path is as an atheist's approach to one's spirituality stroke faith? In other words, how do you politely engage those staunch and conservative Christians who believe their God 
is one and only omnipresent and omniscient force that carries an individual? I do do that by simply referring to my own experiences. And what I mean by that is uh, nothing ever prepared me for what I experienced later in life. I was your typical staunch religious person who was educated and did not know anything other than that. But when I make reference to my own experiences, having walked in the wilderness for about three to four months for no reason at all that made sense to anybody. So my own life becomes an example of our own ignorance as people. And I personally cannot dismiss any of that spiritual notion because of what I have gone through. So I simply illustrate my own experiences to people, my own background. And usually these are people who have the same background as I do. And when I tell them my own experiences, they reluctantly start believing that there's more to life than just the religion that they grew up with. I grew up wanting to become a Catholic priest. But my own experiences in that regard tend me to change my perspective uh, to an extent where I knew that there were more to the religion that we were taught, that we were brought up with, than meets the eye. And so I decided that, that's why I decided to write the book, because I illustrate my own experiences as a person so that it becomes a reference to other people who struggle with the same challenges that I have. Tell us about the process of kneeling down. In other words, where you've got nothing, you have been reduced to very little materially anyway, but certainly you are in no uncertain terms as to spiritually where you are destined to be. Going home to Mtata or to Ezala, as the case might be, sketch for us that journey and the ceremony, if you like, that became now the ultimate confirmation that indeed you are now Sivuilem Sengana, the traditional healer moment for me. Um, again, it was another reluctant acceptance of what was. Sorry, before, uh, you, be, before you respond to this question, I beg your pardon, I'm going to have to take this caller because Babu Nonde, not only is he a loyal listener, we have missed him for the longest time and absolutely he needs to have a view in relation to what we are talking about. Babu Nonde, very quickly, welcome to the platform. I miss you. I love you. You don't have enough time though. Go for it. I don't have much time. I am glad that eventually your guest answered the epiphany that he met, right? I must say, last year, my son is about to experience the same thing. But fortunately for him, it took only about four months, and then he answered the call. Now, what I want to find out from my guest is, is he now at peace with the calling of the ancestors? Because truth be told, whether you are in Zionist church or St. John's Church, if the ancestors want you to answer their call, they will remove you from those churches. Thanks, Ongezo. Thank you so much, Babu Ngonde. Babu Msengana, respond to my question and this one, please. 
Yes, um, just to respond to Ubangonde um, mm. before that. Uh, unfortunately, I, I had to answer, to, I had to hit the calling. This was about 10, 15 years ago when the kneeling process happened. Uh, to, to, to also coin, coin your, your question as well into mm. that. So, yes, Baobugnonde, I, I, I am at peace with, with my calling. I know that it is who I am. In fact, I'm happy to say that uh, uh, ever since I answered the calling, I've actually gained so much more than I could have if I had not. Uh, I, I completed my degree while I was a, 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 a Ibrisha, or after I became Ibrisha. And to a lot of people, sometimes when you answer the calling, especially Ubantu, Abafundile, you're like myself, you, people will assume that you will lose even your own intelligence. But unfortunately, it did not happen. Or fortunately, it did not happen for me. So I'm happy to say that I am at peace with my calling. It is who I am. And my family has had to accept it as well. The challenges continue. Uh, and to, to go back to your, to your question, uh, Babu, my, my kneeling process came through pain. It came through pain because I had to walk for four months in the wilderness to, uh, to find the destiny, to find my destiny, to find the place where my initiation was going to happen. And where was that? It was in Bizana, a colony. Had you ever been there before? I had never, ever set foot there before. <laughs> but I ended up being there. And, 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 and someone was waiting for you there, is that right? Yes, there was, the, 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 there was a lady that I had dreamt of uh, when I was in East London, and I met her there, and it, it, it was quite surreal. Listen, Sengan, I don't have time. It's 22 hours. I have to cut it there. You have my commitment. Everything we spoke about when we spoke about this for the first time, I will make it my life's mission to ensure that it happens. We will distribute this story. It is not Msengana's story. It is an African story. It's a story to give many people strength. There are many who were in your position who continue to this day to fight this thing. And by doing so, unfortunately, they are bringing unto themselves untold danger, not just for themselves, but for those who are immediately next to them. I'm only an instrument of my ancestors. Mr. Sivuilem Sengana from Ezala. Buya nizitwele, nizilele nizintabini. Buya nizitwele. 2201, Mudubi Makhalimel, it's time with the news.